صباح الخير جود مورنينج دير ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. Um, I'm very excited today. I'm with uh, my first opportunity of paneling by myself, going live. I'm going to be joined by one of my favourite Australian Palestinians and a, a real inspiration to uh, Palestinians in Australia for her um, wonderful advocacy and efforts and what she's done since she's been in Australia. Um, I'm very, very excited to introduce Asil to our audiences. Good morning, Asil. Good morning. Good morning, How are you? Master. I'm so good. I'm so happy to hear Palestine and Australia over and over again. Thank you so much, Asil. Now, uh, Asil, for those that don't know, she's a performer, she's an artist, she's increasingly becoming an, an academic, and she's a mother and wife, and just the most fantastic Palestinian woman. Now, Asil, you've been um, advocating and championing a very a cause very, very close to you. Can you tell us about your library project? Yeah, well, uh, we just yesterday we launched our uh, six toy libraries in Gaza, um, six different spaces and venues within uh, organizations that we are partnering with that deal with women and children, safety and mental health. Uh, and um, those toy libraries have been, uh, that the whole initiative started six months ago or like seven months, last June. Uh, just when we, I thought that if I am safe in Australia and I still have um, hardships raising my child in a safe and very secure place, what does women in Gaza specifically feel and how they can actually survive the daily life when they are bombed every single day and when they're really not feeling safe themselves. So how can they make this environment safe for their children? So that's how the whole story library started. And so the fundraising, the reality is you can't do this sort of, this sort of activity without money. Um, it's complicated because you're so far away. You understand the occupation, how cruel it is and how hard it is to get things done. How did you raise the money to do this? Uh, well, it was really like magic. Um, I I just said, okay, I like, you know, I looked at different websites and said, I would just post uh, a post on Facebook and I have a fundraising link to it. Like, you know, we can, we can fundraise on Facebook. So I just post that and I went to sleep and I woke up with a $2,000 donations on my first day. And that made me feel like, okay, there's lots of hope. People in Australia know that life in Palestine is very hard and they would love to support. And um, within like maybe 10 days after that, we had a 15,000. I said, okay, let's raise it to 20. And then we got up to 18,000 in the end on that fundraising. But another donation from friends and family and people that in different organizations have supported in different ways, um, like through my website as well, people could donate. And the multi-theater supported my slides, which was amazing. So that's kind of different. Um, uh, when like that, that just gave me hope in the Australian um, uh, friends of mine and people that around us that they care. They just don't. They just wait for the opportunity to really support and give their love and heart to the cause. That's fantastic, I said. And how have the libraries been received? 
Uh, well, we are just starting. Um, the, the kind of the other thing I have to mention is. Um, we, with the money that we fundraised here, we um, built the libraries. We like, you know, organized the whole things that we needed for the libraries. But all the toys that we gathered, which is the whole trailer of 12 pallets, 280 boxes of, of toys were um, collected within Palestine, within different Palestinian cities in, under the Israeli occupation that have said, we want to help, that's our people. And they gathered all the toys because that cost lots of money that we couldn't raise within that short time. So the toy labs are just starting. People are like the, the um, artists and the um, uh, uh, social workers take some toys from the libraries and go to the schools. Moms come to the libraries and enjoy the children. But it's just like the very first week. So uh, we are kind of like putting our head together and planning it for like six six months uh, to see because at the moment we cannot really give it's a, it's supposed to be a borrowing system but because we also still need money for computers and all of the kind of things that we need for the next phase we're just kind of doing a trailer of how to actually introduce the borrowing um, culture into the space and the toy library culture into the space slowly until we kind of feel more confident to release it fully in there. That's fantastic. Now, Asil, I'm on your Facebook page, but um, we should get our listeners to go and uh, look at your Facebook page and become your friends so they can see um, just the, the wondrous video. So your, your Facebook page is Asil Taya, so A-S-E-E-L-T-A-Y-A-H. And what about your website? It's also the same. It's the same if that people write my website, so they can see, uh, like my name, they can also find me in, in Google and they just go... Um, I don't know if any other Asil Thai that does art and, and thinks in Australia. <laughs> there's so, only yeah. one Asil. <laughs> no, no, there's plenty of amazing Asils. It's just like, I don't know if there's, you know, a website. I haven't found any other website. So, well, you're, yeah, that's going to be easy. You're our amazing Asils. Thank you so very much. Um, and what, what about what can our listeners do to help you? I mean, obviously, this is only the first step. What's the next step? Well, the first step is yes to kind of thing. I'm, um, I would love, of course, to invite them. I'm going to speak about this initiative in different places, and I'm going to list them later today as well on my website so people can go and watch and listen and even support. Uh, the first one is at Leilor uh, Library as part of the International Women's Day, um, and then uh, at WOW Festival in Brisbane um, in uh, early April, and in different places um, in, in conferences. Um, for Toy Library Australia and Playgroup Australia that also has been amazingly supportive of the initiative and just believe that we can do it together. Uh, they can also go to my website and look for the donations or even contact me within my website and I can let them know what they can do. But best is just to advocate and tell people what is life in Palestine and how we can make it better and stop all these seeds and make it easier for our children and mothers to continue their life. Fantastic, Asil. Thank you so very much. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Asil Taya, A-S-E-E-L-T-A-Y-A-H. And Asil has left a classroom to be with us today. So thank you very much, Asil, for, for joining us. And uh, we look forward to much more success from you. Thank you, Nathan. All the best. Thank you. And we'll be back after this uh, ad. Okay, thank you. Um, that was amazing, Asil. So please, uh, listeners, if you... Uh, get a chance, get onto our website, check out our Facebook page, and you can see the, the beautiful pictures of um, uh, the library that's uh, the, the libraries that have opened in Gaza. It, it really is amazing, and the challenges she had to go through to get the toys there. And look, it's it's, it's a wonderful story, and we only had a limited time with Asil, but thank you very much, Asil. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, on Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon, excuse me. 
um, there is a public gathering and for Brother Peter Bray, who's the Vice-Chancellor of the Bethlehem University in Palestine. Um, he's presented by the Uniting Church and the Congregation of Mark the Evangelist in North Melbourne and Wesley Church. It's in col- co- uh, collaboration with the Palestine-Israel Ecumenical Network. Um, 6.30 Monday night. Uh, if you get a chance, if you're about, go and see uh, uh, Brother Peter Bray at the Wesley Church in Melbourne, 148 Lonsdale Street. Wesley Church, Melbourne, 148 Lonsdale Street between Russell and Exhibition Streets. Um, you can find more details at apan.org.au, apan.org.au. But it'd be great if um, you went along. I know he was on Jan's show, Jan Bartlett's show earlier in the week. Uh, he's a wonderful man and, and a real humanitarian. So big thanks to the Uniting Church and the Palestine-Israel Ecumenical Network for bringing out uh, Brother Peter Bray. Again, 6.30 Monday night at uh, the Wesley Church in Melbourne, 148 Lonsdale Street. Um, so get along. I'll be there. It'll be great to uh, see our listeners. Now, um, Australia has wonderfully really put their hand up yet again because uh, that's what we do when uh, our um, like-minded nation, Israel, calls out for help, as it did recently. Um, countries that are founded on coloni- co- colonialism. It's too early in the morning for me to get the C word out. Um, they, they call upon each other and say, look, in times of crisis, we really must stick together. Um, and and the crisis today, well, for Israel, is the fact that Palestine, who um, asked the International uh, uh, Criminal Court to have a look or to open up investigations as to whether or not there had been uh, war crimes committed in Palestine. Um, and, and Palestine asked um, for for this to happen in, in well, somewhere 2015. Um, and since that time, for the best part of five years, the uh, International Criminal Court Prosecutor for Two, Ben Suda, has been um, investigating as to whether or not there was sufficient evidence that war crimes were committed in Israel. And interestingly, the Palestinians asked for an, a thorough investigation to investigate Israel, but also to investigate the Palestinian forces. Now, Palestine joined what became a... Um, uh, asked to join the ICC in 2009, but... The investigation was rejected because Palestine was not a state. Uh, in 2012, Palestine joined as a non-member state via the UN and in 2015 accepted the jurisdiction of the Rome Statute and thus became a, a state party to the ICC. Um, that's when the investigations came up and they were focused on settlements, crimes by the IDF and um, also uh, by Palestinian armed forces. And these investigations were ongoing um, 2018, Palestine again referred to the prosecuted situation and asked for investigation. And late last year, the, the prosecutor announced that um, there had, the statutory criteria had been met under the Rome Statute for opening an investigation, indicating that evidence of war crimes had been committed by both sides. Uh, the prosecutor requested a ruling from a pre-trial chamber to confirm territorial jurisdiction. Now, this is, uh, is that territory a state? Am I allowed to go and investigate further? Well, immediately, of course, Netanyahu accused the ICC of being an anti-Semite because, you know, immediately that's going to happen. Um, Australia, very soon after, uh, responded with a decision stating that they they didn't accept that Palestine was a state and thus um, there was nothing for them to investigate. Uh, Australia then writes to Netanyahu and says, we support you that uh, we, we don't think an investigation should proceed. Um, the ICC created a, a, a pre-trial in uh, January, 
and then invited uh, members and others to submit um, uh, their thoughts on on the situation. And, and the, the word is an amicus, is what's actually a legal brief that's being filed. Now, interestingly, Israel is not a signatory, not a party to the ICC. Australia is. Australia, Austria, Germany, Brazil and the Czech Republic have all filed, along with Australia, uh, Israel and the United States, uh, uh, amicuses saying that they don't accept that Palestine's a state and therefore the ICC doesn't have jurisdiction to investigate whether war crimes have been committed. Now, I, I keep saying this about um, jurisdiction and it's important that from a legal point of view, obviously they want to have jurisdiction, the right to investigate Australia in its amicus, Israel, Austria, Germany, Brazil, Czech Republic, etc., none of them mention at all the settlements. None of them mention the ongoing open-air prison that is Gaza, the war crimes, the three massacres committed by the Israeli army with you know funky names like Summer Rain and August, Hot August Nights and you know, other Neil Diamond-type songs. No mention of the... Uh, the, the the brutality and, and the murder and the, the inhumanity of the situation for Palestinians living under the apartheid Israeli regime. The only question is whether or not the ICC has jurisdiction. Sadly, sadly, Australia's gone all in with uh, Israel and these uh, other countries. Interestingly, uh, Reese, I heard overnight that Uganda has decided to join that group and declare that uh, the ICC doesn't have a mandate because Palestine's not a state. Um, what, what really, you know, I never thought we would actually get much worse than what we had under Tony Abbott and John Howard, but, you know, whenever you talk about Palestine, you only have opportunities to get more disappointed. And whilst there's always been bipartisan support for Israel, um, support for Israel under the evangelical Scotty from advertising uh, has gone the next step. And, you know, as we know, one of the first things, earliest acts of our Prime Minister was to follow Donald Trump and recognise West Jerusalem, um, even though he was warned that that would inflame tensions with so many of Australia's biggest trading partners, aside from being just illegal. Um, on the 70th anniversary of Australia-Israel diplomatic relations in um, in Parliament House, Morrison said that, you know, uh, he had already opposed six resolutions that attacked Israel in the UN General Assembly. In the past, we'd abstained on these resolutions. Not anymore and not on my watch. Um, look, the, the reality is, sadly, for Palestinians in Australia and for, for lovers of human rights and justice, we've never had a more pro-Israeli, less Palestinian sympathetic government in Australia. So, look, it really, really is a sad indictment on where we are today. Um, just hold on and join me after this break. We'll speak to you a little bit more. Um, you know, the, the beacon, the shining example that is um, the democracy that is Israel, the democracy that is uh, uh, a light unto nations. I, there was a recent video, uh, some stormtrooper Israeli army um, uh, stormed a, a rooftop of a Palestinian house in East Jerusalem and the kids were having a birthday party uh, and there was uh, some balloons up there and they... They separated the kids from the balloons. I'm talking a reasonable amount of balloons, something like, you know, 20 balloons um, with helium. So they were floating and um, they separated the kids from the balloons. And then, you know, this guy and, you know, full battle fatigues, you know, the whole kit and caboodle uh, with what must have been a pin or 
you know, some some sharp object just systematically popped every single balloon, and and this is the um, level at which uh, the occupation, you know, just sits over every bit of Palestinian life. You know, a child's birthday party. Um, just this week, we had a Palestinian kid, a nine-year-old, walking home from school. Um, he was shot with a, uh, a rubber bullet. And, you know, for our listeners, no, of course, rubber bullets. Uh, not, you know, a soft um, eraser, if you will, that, you know, bounces off your skin. But they're, in fact, metal-coated rubber bullets. Now, if they hit a, a firm part of an adult body, they leave a, a very large welt. There is, um, if you're wearing thin clothing or if it hits bare skin, um, incidences where they will pierce the skin, uh, but they won't actually uh, generally penetrate too deeply on an adult. On a child, though, uh, on soft tissue, the the damage is horrific. And uh, this young boy, nine years old, walking home, shot in an eye, uh, you know, coming home from school and now has lost a sight in one of his eyes. So, you know, it's um, this is in the Hebron region. Real, real sad situation, uh, an ongoing situation. Um, I want to talk about democracy in Israel, and I want to talk about dem- democracy because it's something that's extolled as one of the virtues of um, Israel, and it's a you know a beacon, the only democracy in the region, uh, a, a reason why Australia should be supporting it. Um, Israel, like us, you know, is. Uh, uh, has a rules-based order, separation of church and state. And certainly it does have all of those things if you're you're an A-class citizen in Israel, and we've talked about A-class citizens, you know, the Ashkenazi uh, Jews. But democracy isn't uh, a real thing if you're a Palestinian. Um, and, and if you go back to its the tenets, the founding of, of the state of Israel, it was predicated on the expulsion and destruction of uh, an indigenous uh, population that was living there. So immediately we had to get rid of 90% of the population, and that was the Nakba. Um, and then the, the, the Jews opted for a liberal democratic governance for, the, for that Jewish majority, um, but then immediately instituted uh, apartheid systems for the Palestinians that they couldn't uh, expel. Some Palestinians didn't leave. And for those, they uh, created dozens of um, racist laws. Uh, corralled them into areas, um, uh, curfews that extended for uh, a decade, and their uh, lack of opportunity or representation within within the state apparatus. Um, even Theodore Herzl, way back when, you know, he actually cautioned uh, against democratic commitments, uh, and, he, and he was always worried about the the problem because he knew that Palestine, that Palestine was inhabited, and if you're going to extol democracy and there are people there, well, then it can't be democratic. And certainly it's not going to be democratic with a, a Jewish uh, majority when in, in its infancy without some sort of uh, a couple of events. Number one, the, the cleansing of those indigenous people, but then also a huge movement of, uh, of or influx of Jews to create that, that migration. Um, so the, the basis of a Jewish and democratic state has to be just based on the math, um, needs uh, a Jewish uh, supremacy and it mandates ethnic cleansing. So even at its earliest um, uh, genesis, back in the late 1890s through to the early 1900s, there had to be a cleansing of the Palestinians. Um, and Herzl wrote in his diary, to, we had to try to spirit the penniless population across the border 
by procuring employment for it in transit countries whilst denying it any employment in our country. The removal of the poor must be carried out discreetly and circumspectly. Let the owners of the immovable property believe that they are cheating us, selling us things for more than they are worth, but we are not going to sell them back anything. Um, and this was the modus operandi on which that, uh, Zionism uh, in its early ages worked, uh, early stages worked in Palestine. Um, but as the, the, the colonies multiplied, so did the expulsion of Palestinians. Um, uh, the, 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 a Polish agronomist, Chaim Kalvreski, and he was, this guy was a manager of Jewish Colonization Association, reported in 1920, uh, and, and he's someone who's been dispossessing Palestine since the 1890s, the question of the Arabs first appeared to me in, in all its seriousness immediately after the first purchase of land I made here. I had to dispossess the Arab residents of their land for the purpose of settling our brothers. And he complained about, you know, the, 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 the crying of the... Because many of these Palestinians were workers on land owned by other Palestinians, who, many of whom weren't actually in Palestine... Um, many of whom took the opportunity of getting paid two and three and five and ten times more than the land was worth to um, buy other uh, property and uh, investments that they subsequently lost in '48. Um, they weren't in the 20s and the teens aware of what was the impending doom that was uh, about to uh, befall Palestine. And Kalvriski, you know, he complained about the doleful dirge of those he was forcing out. And he said, it did not stop ringing in my ears for a long time thereafter. I'm sure it didn't stop him from sleeping. Um, Zionist, the Zionist fear of universal democracy and their commitment to ethnic cleansing was so strong after the First World War when the British, concerned with the overextending, overextending themselves, wanted the US to assume part of the responsibility for Palestine. And the World Zionist Organization uh, vehemently objected to the US being involved. Um, and the reason they didn't want the United States involved was there was already movements within the United States for... Um, increasing uh, civil liberties of the uh, African-Americans there. We're still, you know, uh, in the South, a, a terrible place to be an African-American. But um, the, the World Zionist Organization wasn't keen on the United States being involved. Um, because in democracy in America, it means the majority rule. And at that time in the 20s, the Zionists were still a significant minority in Palestine. Um, and we didn't want uh, the Americans to be uh, involved. What, we, what they really wanted was the benevolence of a colonialist uh, mentality of the um, 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 uh, the colonialist mentality of the uh, the British. Um, mo- moving forward, you get to the twenties and thirties, and the, and the Zionists, um, you know, keep pushing out the Palestinians. Through to David Ben Gurion, later the first Prime Minister of Israel. You know, he declares in nineteen thirty eight. I support compulsory transfer. I do not see anything immoral in it. I do not see anything immoral in it. Unbelievable. This is a, a statement followed and adopted by the Jewish Agency, um, uh, which created a population transfer committee. And its job from the, from the late 30s was to strategize the forceful expulsion of the Palestinians. Two additional committees were established in 41 and 48. Now, in 1941, and, and November 37, excuse me, when this population transfer committee was established, that was a full year before Kristallnacht in November of 1938 in Nazi Germany. So a full year before the unleashing of the evilness 
that end up being the Nazi regime and the evilness that was the concentration camps and the evilness that was the show of the Holocaust. A full year before that, the Zionists of Palestine had set up population transfer committees. David Ben-Gurion, Israel's first uh, prime minister, said, I support compulsory transfer. I do not see anything moral, immoral in it. I mean, it's, you know, uh, head-hurting and mind-hurting mind, mind uh, where, where that is. And it gets us to that, that concept of where, where we are today, where we have now in all of historic Palestine, uh, 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 an indigenous uh, Palestinian majority now. Gaza, West Bank, East Jerusalem, 1948. We have a Palestinian majority. And we're living, uh, what we've got there is the most brutal settler colonialist apartheid state, which has taken um, its teachings and learnings from, from the American model uh, of uh, the genocide of the indigenous Americans, the British India model of um, massive violence and stealing resources, through to the South African version, uh, ultimately completed with um, Trump's most recent plan of creating Bantustans and reservations and herding the native natives into those little places where they have con no control over their resources, daily movement, etc. Um, this is barbarity at its maximum and a real sad uh, situation that countries like Australia, who model themselves as, you know, uh, well, they're neoliberal colonial societies, but they, you know, talk about how wonderful they are, that we've got a situation now where we are supporting uh, a rogue apartheid state in its continued dispossession of Palestinians. Um, I'm sad that we ended on such a, uh, a sombre note. I'm very heartened by the work and efforts of Asil earlier on today. Please make sure you check out her website, uh, asiltaya.com or asiltaya on uh, Facebook. And be sure to see Brother Peter Bray Monday at 6.30pm at the Wesley Church in Melbourne. Thanks so very much for listening and please join me next week. I've got a special guest coming from Palestine. Take care and have a great week. I've been moved by the wind upon the water.